Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Happy 4th of July Eve Eve. Hope you have a good 4th this week. Great celebration. My name is Kent Sumberg. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm thankful to be, have been given the opportunity to talk with you this morning a little bit about Next Generation Ministry, which is our ministry for ages birth through high school in our church. And it's a family worship Sunday, as we noted already, so there's a lot of kids in the room. And I want to ask the kids a question, but just a minute. Uh, first, I want to ask the adults in the room if they know what Next Generation Ministry is all about. And I want to give you a little overview, a quick overview, overview. And even if you don't have kids or if they're all grown, I think this applies to all of us. In fact, I know it does. So simply put, our Next Generation vision is to partner with parents in the faith training of the next generation. What does that mean? Well, for preschool kids, we like to partner with parents on three concepts. God made me, God loves me, and Jesus wants to be my forever friend. For elementary kids, we focus on a particular theme called a life app. And a life app is a concept from scripture or an attribute of God's character. We like to say it's something that God can work out inside of us to change the world around us. For middle school and high school ministry, Jordan Heinrichsen is working on seven checkpoints for this coming year. It's a focus on student ministries and how kids grow in their faith. Things like authentic faith spiritual disciplines, moral boundaries, meaningful friendships, wise choices, ultimate authority, and others first. Great checkpoints for faith in student ministries. All right, back to the kids in the room. Question for you. If you know the answer, go ahead and shout it out, okay? What was the life app for June? Go ahead and shout it out. Creativity, that's right. Good job, Ben. Well, let's look at the definition on the screen. Something we do at FX, we like to read the definition together. Here it is on the screen for creativity. Let's read it together, okay? One, two, three. Creativity is imagining what you could do because you're made in God's image. Great. Let's take a look at July's Life app because nobody knows what it is yet. Here it is. July's Life app is... Go ahead and put that on the screen. Uniqueness. Can we read that together? Here we go. Uniqueness is discovering who God made you to be so you can make a difference. Now, of course, VBS is one week away and uses the theme of uniqueness. Uh, gadgets and gizmos, gadgets, gadgets and gizmos, with the tagline, uniquely wired, wonderfully made. I love that theme for kids. So you see, these are great biblical concepts, right? And we like to use creative ways to explain them to kids on Sunday mornings and also in FX, which is our family experience, which is the first Wednesday night of each month during the school year. And FX is a service designed for kids with their parents. And for those kids in our community that doesn't work for parents to bring them, we invite the families that are attending to look out for opportunities to invite those kids to come with them, kind of a family outreach opportunity. So uh, I need the help of some of our FX actors, and Sam Shovel is one of the characters that we like to use. He's a detective from the days of film noir. So you may know what film noir is, the old detective movies. And he always is working on a case 
So let's watch this and see who he's interrogating today. Let's watch. He's a man that goes against the grain, mainly because he's allergic to wheat. He's Sam Shovel, private detective. Hello, I'm Sam, Sam Shovel. I'm a private detective. I've been in this business a long time. So long, in fact, I remember when the Nile was just a creek and Nicolas Cage was considered for Oscars. But it feels like it's time to turn in the old fedora and trench coat. Time to retire, to kick back, to stop working. You know, the politician life. But I must admit, I haven't the faintest idea of what one does when they relax. The idea is as foreign to me as deodorant is to a cab driver. Or as hair care products are to Patrick Stewart. So I asked the man who held the very first job in human history to come help me out. Because surely, he's been retired a long time. I know, I know, don't call you Shirley. That must be him now, excuse me. Who is it? Uh, Adam? Ant? What, who? Adam Ant, 80s rock star? No, no, Adam, uh, first man who ever lived. Oh. Oh, I almost didn't see you there. <laughs> Standing right in front of you. I, no, it, it was a joke, you know, because of the camo. What's camo? Camouflage. Oh. Do you always wear camo? started as a fig leaf. Huh. All right, well, uh, hey, come on in. I already did. Okay, uh, is it a good time? I don't know, it hasn't started yet. But I think it's safe to assume it will be. Please have a seat. Okay, thanks. I, I won't. Adam, I've asked you here because I'm starting off in a new direction. Okay. Like a blind Siberian husky running the Iditarod. Okay, okay. I'm retiring. Retire? Oh, oh, you're gonna get new wheels on your automobile. No, 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 I, I'm gonna stop working. Spend the rest of my days relaxing. You know, like the Cleveland Browns. I'm, I'm not at all familiar with them. Yeah, not many people are, Adam. Oh. Not many people are. Okay, well, hey, uh, I hate to break it to you. I'm actually not retired. You're kidding me. Nope. Just keep on working. Excuse me. Okay. Well, I've made an egregious error similar to the time I used my garbage disposal to make salsa. Tasted like a mixture of rotten eggs and cat guts. Ooh, that's really gross. Who said that? I did. You can hear me? We can all hear you. Oh. Anyway. Appears this guy isn't retired, which is odd. Not odd like a duck-billed platypus playing ping-pong with his bill. 
Artisan Strange. I can't believe he's been working ever since he was born. So, Channing, Adam, you've been working your whole life? Uh, yeah, ever since I was created. Mm, you mean born? Uh, no, I mean created. God made me right out of the dust of the earth, put me down here in paradise, called it Eden. Paradise? Yeah. You were in paradise and chose to work anyway? Yeah, man. Can you imagine just sitting around in paradise all day, not doing anything? I'm imagining it right now. What's going on with your eyebrows? Oh, they, uh, they like to dance when I imagine things. I, huh. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, God put me in paradise, and, you know, I just wanted to do more with it, help it grow. Fascinating. So, after you were created, what was your first job? My very first job was naming all the animals. Naming all the animals? I know. That's amazing. It was. That's as amazing as watching a monkey play with scotch tape. It's really hard for me to follow you sometimes. <laughs> Meh. Yeah, so anyway, uh, God came to me, brought every animal one at a time, and said, name it. How did you do it? Well, I just I looked at it, and then I just said whatever came to my mind. Sounds like that required a lot of creativity. Well, it did, it did. But God told me I was created in his image. And thinking about how creative God is, it didn't seem like a stretch at all to think maybe I could do something creative, like name the animals. You know, I think I would have named the giraffe a long neck thingy and uh, the duck-billed platypus So what is that? Oh. Hashtag missed opportunities, yeah. Uh, those both would have worked. But you never retired. Oh, uh, no, not really. I suppose no matter how old I got or whether or not I was getting paid, I just wanted to use this creative brain God gave me to, to find better ways to do things, to, to help people laugh or to, you know, like I said, make paradise grow. You know, come to think of it, my idea of paradise is solving crimes, using my brain to help those in need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that problem-solving creative brain you have in there, that's a reflection of God in you. Tatum? Adam? I'm going to say this once, and I may say it again. You can't talk me into quitting just yet. <laughs> I wasn't even going to try. I think it's no way, no how. I've got a creative brain up here, and I'm not going to let it go to waste. No, I think that's the right thing for you to do. Well, I think it's time you left, Andy. My name is Adam. Don't make me throw you out. Wouldn't be the first time I experienced that. <laughs> well, that was a close call. I almost gave up on what I was made to do. But luckily, I remembered, with this amazingly creative brain I've been given, that I've got a lot of crime solving ahead of me. That makes me about as happy as a clam at a clam bake who wasn't baked. I'm Sam Shovel, and I'm allergic to wheat. Wasn't that great? Those guys are so creative. I love it. So fun. God has created all of us in his image, right? He's put in each of us attributes of his nature, like creativity. Another creative way that we like to introduce life apps is with our friends, MC Haggis and Seamus McFamous. And you just have to see him to understand. So let's watch them now. <laughs> 
very important. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey there. I'm MC Haggis, the world's greatest Scottish rapper, and this here is my beatboxing partner, Seamus. Say hello, Seamus. Alright, give him a taste of what you can do. Yeah, that's pretty good. And you know, it takes a tremendous amount of creativity to become the world's greatest Scottish rapper like I have, isn't that right, Jim? Yes, I know, I'm very good at rapping, but I've never felt like I could draw or paint anything, so I just wouldn't even try. And then one day I began to think, but how God made me in his image and that he believes in me too. So, you know what I said to myself, Seamus? Aye. That's right. I said, Haggis, imagine what you could do when you believe you're creative. So that's why I'm painting this self-portrait. <laughs> that I'm almost finished with here. A little more beard and a little... And it's perfect! It's perfect! <laughs> I can't wait to show this to you, but first I think we need to kick a fat rhyme, don't you? Kick it! Sometimes you can feel frustrated if you don't feel like you're creative, but you've got the ability. God made you so you have the skills to do some things and create things because you were made in God's image and you have creativity! Word! Did you see the director dancing back there? Aye. Got mad beats. Aye. It's time to unveil the picture. Are you ready? Aye. All right, here we go. Take a gander at this. <laughs> Didn't it look just like me there, Seamus? Aye. You hesitated. You don't think that looks like me? Aye. What? Aye. I painted Seamus by mistake. It's obvious. The purple. The, the, yeah, I painted Seamus. I, oh, boy. You know what? I should go into business making self-portraits for other people's portraits. That's creative. Isn't that great? That'd be great. A lot of fun. Yeah. So if every person, each one of us, is made in God's image, then we all matter to God, right? Every person matters. We like to focus that in Next Generation Ministry a little bit more by saying every kid matters, right? If every kid matters to God, then they should matter to us. So here's something for all of us to consider. And it's a question that resonates with our vision. If every person matters and every kid matters, then how will we influence the next generation to have a vibrant, authentic faith? How will we influence the next generation to have a vibrant, authentic faith? When I think of the term next generation, I think of Psalm 78, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible, right after Job and before Proverbs, right in the middle. And Psalm 78 talks about next generation ministry. So let's look at that together. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. 
He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. This is next generation ministry. Right? We need to share the greatness of God and the glory of the gospel with the next generation. That they would place their hope in God, keep his commandments, remember what he has done, and share his greatness with the next generation. So back to the question. How do we influence the next generation to have a vibrant, authentic faith? I think we can gain some wisdom from Psalm 78 here. And it would suggest that next generation ministry begins with parents, but it takes a tribe. I'll explain what I mean by tribe in just a minute. But first, parents, no one has more potential to influence your kids than you do. For one reason, no one has more time with your kids than you do. And that's why the church likes to partner with parents in the faith training of the next generation. The church can't compete with the amount of time that you have, but we like to think that two influences working together, the home and the church, two influences working together have a greater impact than two influences working separately. Parents, no one has greater impact in your kids' lives than you do. But you're not the only influence that your kids need. As your kids grow up, especially to middle school, high school years and beyond, your children will seek affirmation from other adults other than just you. So either we can be intentional about enlisting other trusted adults to influence our kids, or we can depend on our own limited capacity. We can leave them to discover random influences that will shape their faith and character, or we can help them proactively pursue strategic relationships for their lives. Now, one strategy that we think is extremely valuable is for your kids to be part of a small group. And uh, focusing on middle school and high school ministry now, we think that uh, it's extremely valuable for them to be a part of a small group in those ministries. Now, the ministry for middle schoolers uh, in our church is called Refuge. And it meets on Wednesday nights during the school year from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And the ministry for high school students is called 801 and also meets on Wednesday nights, begins at 8.01 p.m., and goes to 9.30. And the fall kickoff for all ministries in our church begins the week of August 20th. Jordan Heinrichsen is our youth director. He does a great job with student ministries. But he can't have an impact in all the kids because there's over 150 kids in those ministries combined. That's why we need great leaders, great leaders who will partner with parents in becoming that additional positive influence uh, in a student's faith development. Now, Jordan teaches the group in a large group format, and then at the end of each meeting, we break into small groups. And each group of six to eight kids needs a strong leader to help the students think through his message a little bit more and how it applies to their lives. This might be one way that you could impact the next generation in a significant way 
And if you're interested in finding out more about being a small group leader in our student ministries, I know Jordan would love to talk with you. Next generation ministry begins with parents, but it takes a tribe. Now, let me tell you what I mean by tribe. We see this story in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy's early in the Old Testament, five books in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And we're going to look at chapter 6 in just a minute. But the people of Israel had spent the last 40 years wandering in the desert, leaving the oppression of Egypt and looking forward to the promised land of their ancestors. But before they took possession of that land, Moses stopped to address the whole nation. It was a nation of tribes. And each tribe would have been a smaller community of families and relatives, neighbors, leaders, and servants. So let's look at his address in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll start reading in verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Pretty much all the time. Each tribe that Moses was addressing made up of smaller communities. They all received the message. Love God with a whole heart. Teach your kids diligently the words and deeds of our God and don't forget make faith a priority. Teach the next generation the ways of God. I think this, this command to teach the next generation applies to all of us. And I would suggest that this community, our church, as a tribe, is charged with the same thing. Love God with a whole heart first. Teach the kids in our church diligently the words and deeds of our God and Don't forget, make faith a priority in our lives. Isn't it interesting that Moses' first command was to love God? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, You know, on first look, that might seem kind of wishy-washy, love God. But on further inspection, the more we understand, we see what Moses meant. Moses was calling the tribes of Israel to have a 100% devoted commitment all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. That's not wishy-washy. Perhaps Moses knew when he instructed the tribes of Israel that if the generation of parents and leaders he was speaking to would choose to love God with a whole heart and all their souls and all their strengths, strength, then it would show up in their personal lifestyles and be contagious to their children. As a result, those who trusted God would be trusted by the next generation. That's the kind of loving and trusted relationship that fuels the emotional and moral health of a generation. It takes a tribe. So we see in Psalm 78 and Deuteronomy 6 that in order for the next generation to know God, the tribe must do these things. And for T, we're going to say, tell 
faith stories and teach his commands. Now, this applies to everyone who knows Jesus and has had their lives changed by the great news of the gospel. Tell your faith story and let it encourage others. Tell your faith story and allow God to use your story to make a difference in someone else's life. Now, faith stories are the result of loving God, allowing his words to be on your heart. And the fruit of that is keeping his commands. You are the only one that can share your story. Share it with the church. Share it with your family. Share it with your kids and with others. I can tell you that they are super encouraging to me when I have heard your faith stories over the years in this church, particularly around times of baptism. As I look around the room, I can think, yeah, I remember their faith story. I remember their faith story. It's so encouraging because when I hear how God has actively worked in your life, that encourages me because I've experienced his goodness too. And the Holy Spirit confirms that in me. It's like a moment where you say, yeah, I know that God too. And the next generation that is just learning who God is has a moment that says, oh, that's who God is. And that's how he works. Our creative team does a great job around here with things like stage design and uh, additional elements that help us learn the message each week, like the, the Hebrews scroll out in the hallway. And they're working on something new, which I'm super excited about. They're developing a story team to record and gather such faith stories. And uh, if you are interested in sharing your faith story with the church, I would in- invite you to send an email to stories at carneyfree.com to share your story and find out more information how, how you can share your story with the church. The next generation needs to hear how God has worked in the lives of his people, not only in the Bible, but also from our generation. All right, number two, our remember what God has done and who he is. Verse 7 in Psalm 78 is a reminder to not forget. Remember, don't forget. (laughs) And then the rest of Psalm 78 talks about the cycle of obedience and disobedience of Israel with God. And it's a reminder to the next generation to not be like the ancestors who had a stubborn and rebellious generation whose heart was not steadfast and whose spirit was not faithful to God. We see the same reminder in Deuteronomy 6. Moses is saying essentially, stay focused. Don't forget who your God is. What happens when we forget who God is in our lives? That's when we go off on our own direction, right? Ignoring God's ways. And ignoring God's ways is a dangerous road to travel. To impact the next generation, we need to remember what God has done and who he is. In other words, we need to make faith a priority in our lives. Number three, imagine the end. Imagining the end just means imagining what you hope for your kids when they go off on their own one day and leave the house. What character do you hope that they will have developed? The psalmist gives an example of imagining the end in verses 6 and 7 because he says, where the next generation, those not even born yet, 
will rise up to tell the next generation. That's what he hopes, that the next generation will tell the next generation about the greatness of our God that set their hope in God, not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. That's the psalmist imagining the end that he would like to see. There's something powerful in this practice, isn't there? Imagining the end. When we think about what the then could look like in our kids' lives or in our own lives, that affects how we live and behave and parent today. If you hope that your kids will one day go to college, then, well, then grades should be important now, right? If you hope that your kids will grow up to be kind people, then demonstrating kindness and teaching kindness should be important now. I just share that one with because that's a challenge in our home, being kind to each other at times. But we need to imagine the end and then let that affect how we live in the here and now. All right, number four, build the body. Oh, I hear you wanted to talk about bodybuilding. Well then, I have some great news for you. I'm Hans, and this is Franz, and we're We're here here to to pump pump you up. That's right. We know all about building the muscles to make your body stronger. Yeah, and like this girly man over here. Guys, I don't think you understand what I'm saying at all. Who could understand you at all with that ridiculously wimpy accent? Yeah. Even now, I struggle to understand the words coming out of your mouth because I don't speak wimp. First of all, ouch. (laughs) Second of all, I'm not talking about bodybuilding. I'm talking about building the body. Yeah, so are we. I mean, look at the size of these biceps. And look at the thighs on fronds, like an English oak tree. Oh, guys, building the body is about the church. The body represents the church. We're not talking about growing in size. You lost me at not talking about growing in size. No, Franz, I think I understand what this physically puny man is trying to say. He's trying to say building the body could be the same as bodybuilding. I am? Yes, of course you are. I think we can handle it from here. I think I better stay. Or I I can wait back there. Thank you. Well, now that we have some direction, I think we should start over. I'm Hans, and this is Franz. And we're We're here here to to pump pump you up with with knowledge about about the Lord. Lord. That's right. Maybe sometimes you feel like you're just running around taking care of everybody else. Like a kindergarten cop. Yes. Or maybe you feel like you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. A commando. Hmm. Or maybe you're thinking about eternity. Yes. The end of days. Hmm. Anyway. We want to break it down and put it in simple terms that we can understand. Like pumping iron. Mm -hmm. And why do we pump iron? Because to grow our muscles. Yes, and why else? Because we love our muscles. Right. Hans, you are both muscular and brilliant. But did we always have muscles? No, like Pastor Kent, I used to be lacking in the muscles department. Mm -hmm. But I'm still here. But then I learned how to grow them. That's right. But... Before you did that, you had, you had to learn how to grow them and love them the right way. Yes, we had to eat right. We had to put in a lot of hard work and we had to really push ourselves. 
And now it's easy to have huge muscles. Very big, huge, strong muscles. Yes. Let's do some push-ups. Okay, oh, oh, hey, calm down. Hey, we're in the middle of something here. Okay. Listen, it wasn't always easy. I remember there was a time when I wanted to grow bigger and be stronger, but I just couldn't do it alone. I needed encouragement, and I found that in somebody. You, Franz. I knew you needed help, mm -hmm. and I knew I could help you. And then both of our bodies grew. Yeah, but it isn't always easy, right? Even though I had help, sometimes I felt like I couldn't go any farther. I couldn't push any harder. I remember there were days laying on the bench, and I thought my muscles were broken down and beaten. I just couldn't do it. And then you would say to me, Two more reps! And I would say, No, I can't! And you would say, Come on, take my hand! Yes, and then I would say, Ah! And then I did it. I made it. It was so difficult. I remember laying there thinking, I pushed so hard, my muscles were broken and beaten, but I knew they grew back stronger and bigger. I found that encouragement. I thought I was pushed to the edge of my limits, but I was wrong. And that's how faith works sometimes too. Yes, that's right. Maybe it feels like you can't go any further, that you're broken and beaten. But when you have a large body of resources, you could go to them for encouragement. These are all good things. Yes. Guys, you, know, you actually have a good point there. Thank nice you. job. <laughs> Thank you, we tried. Yes, and I think we learned something too. Oh, yeah. well good, what was that? Well, I think we also learned that being strong in your faith can make you strong in so many other ways. Yeah, maybe I can squat a Mack truck, but what eternal reward does that give me? That's exactly right. You know, but being confident and strong in my faith has eternal rewards. There you go. That's right. The great way to start is learning to love God the right way. Absolutely. Well, I guess all that's left to say is, us the la vista babies. <laughs> what? Wow. That was awful. Oh, my. That was so bad. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, look, look. You're great at what you do. You do you. See ya. I would follow that. The point here is that a family that's growing in faith contributes greatly to the body, to the church. Now, churches are made up of broken people, and families are made up of broken people. But both exist for the same reason, to show a broken world God's message of restoration and redemption. I love this quote from Kerry Newoff in his book with Reggie Joyner, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. He says, your ability, your strength, your desire to love your children the right way begins with starting to love God the right way. Parents, we just need to cultivate our own relationship with God first, which will be infectious to our kids. To impact the next generation for Christ, we need to build the body that is our faith community. Number five, Engage in mission. For many of us, serving may be the next step of our own spiritual growth. Yes, serving contributes to the needs of others, but I think we often overlook the fact that serving can help us grow. When you serve, you gain the blessing of seeing God work through you. You grow by learning how to serve, where, whatever that may be. 
And there's lots of ways to engage in mission. Not just e-free kids, but uh, the tech team or the greeter team. Lots of ways. Uh, you can worship one, serve one on Sundays by helping during one service hour, serving one service hour, and worshiping during the other service hour. Pick one service to attend, and during the other one, serve somewhere. To impact the next generation for Christ, we need to see them engage in mission also. And it's great to see students get involved serving at an early age. That's one of the reasons that we don't have Sunday school beyond fifth grade, because sixth graders are at the age where they can begin to start learning how to serve others and not just being served themselves. This is one of our best measurements of growth in student ministries, serving versus sitting. It's one thing to measure how many kids are attending student ministries, but a, a whole different measurement by seeing how many kids are serving. Now, I know that serving in Sunday school is not for everyone, and kids can serve in different ways and at different times, but it's very important to get them start serving in some way. And when parents engage in mission with their kids, it makes a huge impact in their lives because parents demonstrate serving. They demonstrate care for others. Years ago, I went, I went with a group of people to uh, the Ukraine, uh, to uh, the Chikasi region. We visited a number of churches in that area just south of Kiev. And uh, we spent most of our time in a city called Zolotnosha. And I'll always remember that trip, but in particular, we attended church on a Sunday, and the pastor in that church took a moment during the service and just stopped and asked, now does everyone have a place to serve? And I thought that was interesting. I had heard that question before or experienced that in a church. Now, does everybody have a place to serve? I think that pastor knew that everyone in his congregation needed an opportunity to serve the body. Not, so, not just so that the needs of the body were met, uh, but for their own benefit. And when the next generation sees a church that is engaged in mission, they will also want to engage in mission. We all know the next generation is going to be the leaders one day in our community and in our church. And it's exciting to see how God has raised up young leaders over this church's history to be spiritual leaders here and in other parts of the world. God's been so faithful to our church in sustaining the ministry to children and to youth. But it seems like we have room for growth, some untapped potential in next generation ministry. And it's going to take our tribe to partner with parents to see the next generation grow up to be spiritual leaders. That gets me excited. It takes a lot to get a sweet excited. And it gives me hope for the future to see how God is using each of you and your faith stories and your engaging in mission to encourage the faith of the next generation. We're going to move into a time of prayer in just a moment. But I want to encourage you, not just today, but going forward from here, would you pray for the next generation in our church? Pray for the kids and youth for the gospel to take root in their hearts. My worship team can come up now. Pray for the gospel to take root in their hearts. And pray for parents as the primary faith trainers. We need prayer. 
and pray for us as a tribe, this church as a tribe, to step up to our role as partners with parents in the faith training of the next generation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this tribe. Thank you for our church and for their love and care for the next generation. And I pray that this church and this tribe would tell their faith stories, that we would remember what you've done and who you are, that we would imagine the end and build up the body and to engage in mission so that we could bring glory to your name, Jesus, and honor you as our creator and our savior. In your name we pray, amen.